episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast. This is Eric Dean at Mile High Sports. With me is Peter Ball from The Athletic. We're going to take this one without JJ today and just talk a little bit about the playoff picture coming up here for the Avalanche, all the different teams that they might be able to play in the first round. Uh, let's start with this, Peter. How's it going? Things are good, man. You know, a um, bit of a, a strange Avs game last night that I don't really put too much stock into. Um, and I think that's why we're probably not going to talk about it a ton on, on this episode, right? Yeah, I think the Avalanche are uh, haven't put much stock into that game or even the last two games as we have. They are, you know, they've got they've got the top spot in the West and the Central Division locked up. I guess right now the only race they're in is for the President's Trophy, and I understand that means a lot to Jared and the guys, but it's also doesn't in the grand scheme of things matter that much. I don't know how often you see the top two teams in the NHL meet in the Stanley Cup final. And uh, that would be the only scenario where not winning the president's trophy would matter because Florida would get home ice over the avalanche in that scenario. But top spot in the West is locked up. Top spot in the central division is locked up. All you can do right now, if you're the Avs, is sit back and wait to see who you're going to play in the first round. So we're going to go through all the teams that they can play in the first round and just kind of break through each one and see what it would look like. So where do we want to start? You want to start with the more likely or the least likely? Let's start with the more likely, which I think the most likely opponent at this point would probably be the the Dallas Stars. Yeah. Um, after their loss last night, which knocked them two points back of Nashville, though Nashville does have a really tough schedule. So, Eric, what stands out about the Dallas Stars? What do you think of them as a, a potential opponent? Obviously, they've played in in the playoffs pretty recently. Did not go the Abs way. How do you think that matchup would stack up? So what's funny about the Dallas Stars is this is a team that all season would have a 10-game stretch where, where they are one of the best teams in the NHL, and then a 10-game stretch where they look like this, where you're like, this is not a threat at all. And as Daryl Sutter says, you're wasting your time for a week if you're going to play the Avalanche in the playoffs. So it's kind of they ride this wave, and if you're the Avalanche, even if you catch them at the highest of their powers, you should still be better than them. But if you catch them at the lowest of their powers, it might end up being a sweep. So it's just basically it's a long winded way of saying this is one of the more inconsistent teams in the NHL this year where you really don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. And I mean, it is an interesting matchup because the stars play such a brand of hockey that's that's tailored towards the playoffs, like a physical defensive first game that that could make things interesting. And I think if the stars are playing at their best, maybe they would give the avalanche some problems i think the avalanche are a better team um and deeper for sure but you know it's not necessarily the easiest of matchups but i i still think that the avalanche you'd have to give them the edge yeah 100 and stars... i think that's, honestly that's going to be the case with all these teams right like it's not yeah the abs are going to be heavily favored in any series they play but that doesn't mean there won't be good storylines and i think the the storyline with dallas is just the fact that it would be a rematch of a series that was really painful for the avalanche that saw them almost advance the Western conference finals come a few minutes shy and then, uh, lose, Oof. lose, on, <laughs> lose the lead and then lose the game in overtime. What a series that was. And, you know, backstop by Michael Hutchinson. It's going to look a little bit different with Darcy Kemper this time, but, uh, for the Dallas stars, I mean, the top of their lineup is pretty dang good. That Joe Pavelski, Jason Robertson and Rupe Hintz line is, 
far and away the best three players they have on that team. And that includes, in my opinion, their defensemen this season, uh, those three guys. All right, let's calm down. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want any Miro Haskinen uh, slander. I think no, no, no slander. He's up there too. He's, he's part of that core. I just think that those guys have shined a bright light on this franchise. Like, first of all, Jason Robertson, let's just starting with him, 37 goals, 72 points in 69 games, 10 game winning goals. So he has done it all for the Dallas stars. And I know game winning goals are kind of a finicky stat. It's, you know, ultimately you get lucky when you score the goal that ends up being the go ahead goal. Rupe hints, 35 goals, 68 points in 75 games, seven game winners. He's shooting 17%. He's got a ton of power play points. And then Joe Pavelski turning the clock back. Yeah. I would say it's a little bit of slander. I would put, I would put Haskin it up there with hints and Robertson as the three big guys and, Pavelski one step behind as the veteran guy that's kind of steering the ship, but they also have a lot of veterans and Ryan Suter and Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben and John Klingberg that have become more of their depth pieces, more of their supplemental pieces to those main guys. And, uh, it's not a bad team by any means, but like, I'm trying my hardest to try to make an argument for why Dallas could give the avalanche a run right now. And I'm just really not finding it. Jake Ottinger's a good goalie. And maybe that's the way you go about it. It's uh, the goalie that steals a game or two or three and steals a series. But other than that, I mean, it's, it's a series. The avalanche should definitely win and handily. So, um, but the Dallas stars are obviously someone that have beaten the avalanche before. Some of these guys are going to go in with a little bit of a belief that they could do it again. Joe Pavelski's beaten the avalanche too, not with Dallas, but with the San Jose sharks here earlier, but help me out here. I don't think the Dallas stars really have much of a shot. Yeah. I mean, hockey, especially in the playoffs is really finicky. It's a, it's one of the most random sports. And so, I mean, I think there's a path. I think the path is that Ottinger plays out of his mind. Dallas finds a line that can shut down the McKinnon line. And then all of a sudden it's you're down 2-0 and and you're in in some trouble. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I don't think I wouldn't discount Dallas in a weird way because of the style they play is not an ideal matchup for the Avs. I still think they should win in five or six, but I, I think that it, it would be a it would be an interesting matchup. And I, I think that it could potentially lead to some, some tense games, um, games that are close in the third period that the abs either have to find a way to dig out or hold on to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good team. And I think the other thing with hints is just, I, my coworkers, Shana Goldman and Saad Yusuf wrote a really good story at the athletic about how he's really put together. He should be one of the Selkie contenders for people's ballots. He's really good defensively. And that top line of him, Pavelski Robertson is, is one of the, one of the best line, like maybe the most underrated line in the league. Uh, I, would say, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It's hard to quantify, but like, that's a really, really good line. Jason Robbins, Robertson's a really good player. And then they've got some depth. So we'll see. It's not, I wouldn't be terribly stressed if I were the avalanche, but I, I don't think that there's no path uh, to them, to them winning. Yeah. Um, so, the team that Dallas has right now. So that top line is very underappreciated in the sense where it's like, number one, they steer the ship without that line. This team is nowhere near a playoff race right now or in a playoff position. And on top of that, they don't really break that line up because if they do, it doesn't, the depth they have isn't, an, isn't good enough to kind of spread the wealth and, 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 you know, have two or three stronger lines. So they stack that top line, they keep them together and it's, you know, 
resulted in them being one of the more underappreciated lines. This kind of reminds me of when the Avalanche, you know, finally broke their playoff streak in 2018. I want to say it was when they, you know, won game 82 against St. Louis and it was this big thing. And then they made the playoffs against Nashville. And it's like, all right, we're a one line team. We have, you know, some good promising young defensemen, some veteran depths, guys like Soderberg and Como and whoever, and uh, a pretty good goalie. And we're about to go up against a team that is stacked, that is loaded, and the Avalanche took it to six games. So there's three ways a series go. In my opinion, there's three ways a one-sided series goes. The first one is a sweep. We all know what that is. It's 4 nothing. It's what the Avalanche did last year in the first round. The second one is the gentleman's sweep. It's when you win the first two games, you lose game three on the road, and then you come back and win games four and five. The third one is the one that happened against Nashville for the Avs in 2018 is the gentleman's sweep where you also steal a game. So the Avalanche had lost games one and two, won game three, lost game four. Nashville's on its way to a gentleman's sweep. Somehow the Avalanche squeaked out a victory on, on the back of Andrew Hammond sent it to game six, came out in game six, let in five goals, got got destroyed. At no point in that series did you feel like Nashville really was going to give it up or that they were breathing hard. At no point in the in a gentleman's sweep do you feel the same way? At no point in a four-game sweep do you feel that way? And that's kind of how I feel it's going to be with the Stars. For the Avalanche, it's just a matter of, is it going to take four or five or six games? And boy, am I going to get clipped if they somehow blow that. <laughs> but is it going to take four or five or six games and uh, – how much energy do you want to exert? You would much rather be done in four or five games to not have to play longer minutes, but we'll see. But that's that's about the best I can come up with. Dallas is a fun one line, and it's got some good young defensemen. It's got some good veteran depth pieces and a good you know up-and-coming goalie. But the Avalanche have a lot more than that right now. Yeah, I mean, the Avalanche are better, but the best team doesn't always win. Um, another team that they're, they haven't... I think they're against Nashville. I think Nashville has the won the season series or has the lead. They play again one more time, but Nashville's probably the uh, the second most likely team judging by like playoff projections. It's interesting. Dallas is in a position where all of a sudden they might not make the playoffs. You know, they've yeah. got a, if they lose tonight, they're tied or no, if they lose tonight, they still have a two point edge on Vegas, but that can, that can close very quickly. There's still five games left, but Nashville Tough remaining schedule. Perhaps they lose some of their remaining games, including maybe to the Avalanche, which pushes them down into the to the second wild card spot. Um, this is a team when I think of like a few guys carrying it. That's yeah. kind of how I view this team. This is Matt Duchesne, who's had a an amazing season, 40 goals. Um, Philip Forsberg, who's had an amazing season, and they're both shooting at, I believe, career-high shooting percentages, which helps. And then, of course, driving the whole ship, their captain and best player, Roman Yossi. Yeah, they got the guys that are a lot more, um, let's call it bigger, more more game-breaking talent, I would say, and that's not a disrespect to the guys on the Stars, but Roman Yossi's a guy that, you know, could or might even win the Norris Trophy again. Uh, Matt Duchesne is a guy that, you know, is... Coming up, or actually, yeah, he just he did just score forty. Did you actually catch? Quick side note: Did you catch his celebration on the fortieth goal? No, what he do? So he he big didn't cheer. really do he didn't really do anything special, but it was a big cheer. Yeah, big cheer. I'm glad that you picked up on that. It was a big cheer, and I was so happy to see that because this is a 31 year old who like 
I mean, let's call it what it is. He kind of, his ending in Colorado was terrible for everybody. And I'm not going to sit here and call Duchesne a crybaby or anything, but like for him, it was a matter where kind of like his love for the game was kind of withering away by the team that he grew up watching, playing for the coach that he grew up loving. Like it was a very strange ending for him. So to see him bounce back like this, I'm, I'm all for it. I love the Matt Duchesne story this season. He's so great. Um, I think he was on a podcast with, uh, with Craig Custance and Sean Gentilly. I don't know if you listen to that, but he did an interview with them and just like hearing him talk and like the growth in this guy as a 31 year old compared to, you know, hearing him talk five or six years ago is just like wildly different. So uh, it was great to see. It's great to see Matt Duchesne doing what he's doing. He's a great playoff performer too. He hasn't had much playoff uh, success or even games, but he was part of that Columbus team that eliminated the Tampa Bay lightning in four games. So like, and push Boston the next round. Thank you. Yeah. And they pushed Boston to six games and it was a two to two series at one point. So he's a guy that can, that can provide Nashville with that spark. He's got Philip Forsberg up there too. They got Roman Yossi, who's who may win the Norris trophy. It's between him and Kel McCarr more, most likely. And then they got a goalie in UC Soros who, you know, for the first half of the season was kind of part of that heart trophy contention and conversation before, you know, Igor Shesterkin kind of Start, you know, took over the goaltending stats and became the leader in all those categories. But this is a team that their high-end talent is truly high-end talent, and um, their supplemental pieces are are good as well. They're they're pretty deep. Again, they're not the Avalanche. They're in a wild card position for a reason. But it's a team that truly can go into the series thinking, okay, if we do A, B, and C, we can maybe kind of make this a series and maybe steal a series. I mean, we've seen crazier things in the NHL. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think they're, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say they're tougher than Dallas. Cause I, I think I'm maybe a little higher on Dallas than you are. I think UC stars is an excellent goaltender. I think he's one of the best goalies in the league. I'm really bummed. We didn't get to watch him at the Olympics because I think he and Mika Rantanen and, Sebastian Ajo and all those Finnish guys would have made for an, a super fun team. Yeah. Um, but I, so I, I think he's excellent. I just, I don't see a ton of depth there. Um, but then again, they've had, I mean, Tanner Janos had a really good season. Uh, he's a good player. Um, he's a, I mean, 26 goals as a rookie is, is no, nothing to scoff at. I don't know. I haven't looked at his shooting percentage or underlying numbers, but it says, still says something about him. They have Luke Cunning, who's from St. Louis, Missouri. So, you know, he's really good. Um, and then guys like Johansson, Granlund, who are, are just like good, good players. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting team. And I think uh, it would be a fun matchup to see Kel McCarr and Roman Yossi go head to head, especially since like they're, they're the big Norris debate right now is between those two players. Yeah, I feel that. And so right now, Tanner Janot is shooting 20.3%, 24 goals in 76 games. But at what point do you not call it a blip in the radar and it's kind of just what someone does? Like last year, and, and I'm genuinely asking that. I'm not making the argument yeah. that he's a 20% shooter because last year he also played 15 games. He had 23 shots. He scored five goals. He was shooting at 21%. So over his career, he's inching on 100 games now. He's in the 90s in games. He's got 29 goals at a 20.6% shooting. So at what point do you kind of not consider it a blip in the radar and, and this is just what he does? I mean, that's maybe the case, but I think you look at like a lot of players and they don't have shooting percentages that high. And I yeah. don't know if 
Tanner Janot is <laughs> like the one guy who's is going to have a 20% shooting percentage for, for his whole career. So even if that goes down to like, I don't know, 15% or something or 13 or whatever. And some of it is, I mean, if he starts shooting in higher volume, then that can balance out. Yeah. I, I would guess that number would, uh, would come down, but he, he certainly looks like a guy who's going to be a good goal scorer for a long time. And I think he's also fought a lot for them, which is kind of an interesting, an interesting wrinkle. Yeah, him and uh, what's the other kid, uh, the the other rookie, um, Trennan. Oh my gosh, what's his name? For for Nashville. Yeah, Yakov Trennan. That's what it was. Yakov Trennan. He plays on that line with Yakov Trennan. They're both tough. They're the kind of line that are going to give the Avalanche a lot of issues because they're just going to go out there and try to bully you. That's what they do. But his shooting percentage, uh, his shooting percentage reminds me of like. Back in his playing days, Alex Tangay shot 19% over his career. And if you kind of go back and look at his best seasons, it was always 22, 21, 23, 20, 21. I think he had a 21 with the Avalanche when he came back in, in 2015 after he got traded back to the Avalanche. So he's he had a lot of those. He kind of picked and chose his shots wisely. And that's kind of what you see with Tanner Janot. And he's a great player. He's a great rookie. And if, if this is a guy that had the confidence to increase his shot volume and, you know, even if it's going to bring your shooting percentage down, pot home another five or 10 goals a year, where suddenly you're a 35 to 40 goal scorer and you're no longer playing on a line with Yakov Trent and you're playing with Duchesne and Forsberg and pretty regularly. So yeah. uh, this is a guy that um, that line for Nashville is going to give the avalanche fits. And that's what I like about their team. Like it's built as a team that can challenge it's not a team that's just barely squeaking into the playoffs. It's not a team that when you look at the playoff race, you go, this is a pretender. This is a team that can actually do something where up until about a month ago, they were up there with Minnesota and St. Louis in that race for second and third in the central division. And then those two teams kind of separated themselves from the pack as Nashville went into a losing streak. So that kind of led to where we are now with them being a, a wild card team. But if they do get that first wild card team, let me tell you, if the Avalanche don't get Nashville, Calgary versus Nashville will be a fun series. That one will be a lot of fun to watch. It'll be very physical, very tough. And uh, it'll be a different brand of hockey from the high-flying series you would get with the Avalanche, you know, playing against another team like that. Totally, totally. Uh, and then the third most likely opponent is someone who uh, the Avalanche know, know quite well, and that is the uh, <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights, which would be fascinating um yes very and i think the odds of that happening went up after last night i think yep. it's i mean dallas and vegas have a game against each other left on the schedule and that's yeah. gonna decide a lot really like if if vegas steals that game all of a sudden they're in contention to suddenly be playing the avalanche and to be the second wild card especially if dallas i mean dallas has to play um I think they have to play Calgary tonight on a tough back-to-back. -to -back. That's not yep. easy. Uh, it, it's it's an interesting situation, and I think Vegas would be – they're kind of scratching and clawing. They need to – I mean, they almost need to – I don't know about win out, but they've got to go – I mean, yeah. how many games do they have left? Five? They've got five. Four. Four. Four games left. So San Jose, Dallas, Chicago, St. Louis. Ooh. They've probably got to go – get six or seven points at a minimum if a, not eight yeah if not because if, yeah if you th if, if you think about it right now so if they get six of their eight points remaining that'll get them at 95 
the LA Kings are at 92. So the LA Kings would need to pull four points out of their last four games to solidify their spot. The Dallas Stars are at 91. So they would need to pull five out of their remaining 10 points yeah. to claw up to 96. So like if Which, Vegas goes three and one, Dallas just has to go 500. But again, they also play Vegas. So that will take away a game if Vegas wins that one. Totally. They do. Dallas does play Seattle, Arizona, and Anaheim left on the yeah. schedule. So that helps. Um, but Seattle's been playing better of late. Like Philip Grubauer, good on him, has kind of like figured things out a little bit. And I think, I mean, I didn't think he wasn't going to be as bad as he was at the beginning of the yeah. year for the whole season. Like he's, sure. he's a better goalie than that. Um, and so now they're kind of, they're kind of, uh, they're, they're less of an easy win than maybe I would have guessed after the trade deadline. And maybe that's just cause I saw him play a good game last night, but Matty Beniers is a really solid player already. And he could be a, I don't know what his ceiling is. It could be really, yeah. really high. Um, yeah. And then Nashville is also interesting cause they have, they have five games left and they play Tampa, Minnesota, Calgary, Colorado, Arizona. So that's that's a bit of a brutal schedule, um, and they are. Let's look how how much over Vegas are they right now? Nashville, yeah. Nashville, over, over, uh, Dallas. They're ninety three points. They're only two points up on Dallas, but they have the tiebreaker. But they have the tiebreaker. Okay, good to know. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a world in which Vegas could, if if Nashville flounders down the stretch, loses. I mean, they had a big win against Calgary the other night that they needed. Um, but Tampa, Minnesota, Calgary, Colorado. I mean, there's a world in which they get, if they can get four out of those eight points, I think you take it. Anything more is gravy. Um, but like, there's a world where they get two of those eight points, you know, and then all of a sudden they're sitting at like 95 points going into the last game of the season, which they should, they should be fine. I'm not saying this is like, there's reason for concern. They should be able to get to at least like 97 points, but it could get a little dicey if they, if they really falter in these last group of games, but they have three days off uh, between the Calgary game and the Tampa game they play Saturday. So that that'll help. So I think looks like they're probably going to be the top wildcard team, which, yeah. but there is a chance if Dallas had won last night, it would have made things a lot more interesting. But Dallas uh, mm-hmm. could not win last night against yeah. the Edmonton Oilers, who might be good. Edmonton, I mean, Mike Smith is nine zero and one in his last ten. Like suddenly, this team, you know, they and and let's let's, I mean, let's call it what it is. The most likely scenario is Edmonton's going to get the easiest in terms of points competition in the first round in the LA Kings. And Las Vegas catches the Kings. Yeah, for sure. Um, which I don't necessarily see, but the Kings are, the Kings are kind of holding on for dear life. Yeah. And without Drew Doughty, I hope they can do it. They can get in because they've so earned it, man. They've so earned it. Philip Deneau has kind of changed that team and you know what he's brought and he's got over 24 goals, I think now. And they've so earned it. I wish Drew Doughty was healthy because he was having a hell of a season before that as well. I agree. Um, And they've got, and Jonathan Quicks turned back the clock a little bit. Yep. They've got Chicago, Anaheim, Seattle, Vancouver to end the year. So not the toughest of schedules. Yeah. So they should be able to hold on. And yeah, and then they're playing Edmonton, which is uh, the, yeah, definitely. I mean, LA is probably going to be the eighth best team in the Western Conference playoffs. I think even if, even if Vancouver got in, I think Vancouver 
probably more talented, certainly with, yeah, with Bruce Boudreaux as coach. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's the, I mean, I've vented about this and I think this has been a talking point on Twitter, but I think it's pretty ridiculous how hockey does, does its playoffs. I think it makes a ton more sense to just do it like the NBA rank them one to eight, the one, which is, it was like that until 2013 and they decided to change it. And it's been stupid since I'm 100% on board with you because my favorite thing to do whenever every Stanley cup uh, playoffs begin is to look at the East and the West. And I'll usually tweet out and kind of show what the matchups are. So like if it ends up being what we are right now, I think it'll be like one verse seven, Colorado, Dallas, two verse six, Calgary and whatever Edmonton and LA would end up being like five versus eight. Um, so and on and so forth. Minnesota, St. Louis, who could be, depending on how St. Louis finishes, could be the two, three matchup. Like that's yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's exactly the case. So like it, it and if not two, three, then three, four or two, yeah. four. So it, it just, or yeah. So it just, it doesn't make sense at all. And I agree with that. Let me tell you this. Is it, I w- I don't want to say safe to assume, but like, would you predict that Calgary beats Dallas today in Calgary coming off a of back-to-back? I'm not going to predict it because the stars are weird. That's like, true. It's just, I, I just don't know what to, that team's hard to, hard yeah. to predict. Who so, started in goal last night for them? Uh, that's a good question, but I would say even if it was Ottinger, you go right back to him. <laughs> you, don't, yeah, you don't mess although, with. Although, I mean, we saw LA. I mean, Wedgwood has been pretty good. Yeah, that's a good and point. We saw, and we saw LA do that where they went back to back with Quick and like, yeah. it was kind of ugly. Um, but if Dallas falls out of the playoffs, it will likely be at the hands of the, uh, Vegas golden Knights. And what a first round, uh, series that would be. They played Wedgwood last night. Yeah. They played Wedgwood four goals on 49 shots. So they'll have Ottinger going tonight. Calgary doesn't really have a ton to play for. Yeah. And we saw what that means for the avalanche yesterday. So, (laughs) so I, I, I think that there is an urgency that you can't manufacture. And I'm sure like this isn't a dig at Calgary by any means, but like those players, that game means a lot less to them than it means to the Dallas stars. And they're a better team than the Dallas stars, but sometimes that doesn't, that doesn't always matter. Yeah, for sure. So basically the point I'm making is this Dallas is playing on the road today. They are 19, 19 and two on the road this season. So they've already played 40 road games. So today is their last road game. Then they go home for their last four games. Like you said, they got the Vegas Golden Knights and they also have Seattle, Arizona and Anaheim sandwiched in there as well. At home in Dallas, they are 24, 10 and three. Mm -hmm. So for that game against Vegas, which is coming up next week on Tuesday. So they play Calgary today. Then they got Seattle on Saturday and then they got Vegas coming up on Tuesday. So two days off before that game. That game, I feel like if they win it, they'll knock Vegas out. Not yeah. necessarily, not like, you know, mathematically, but I think like realistically Vegas's chances get shot way down because, you know, we just kind of listed all the potentials of what could happen if Vegas collects six of eight points. If Dallas beats Vegas in regulation and the one game that Vegas doesn't win and collects six points in the other games, and that's assuming they win the other three games, um, is the one game that they needed to win. So Dallas being at home for that game where they're 24, 10 and three compared to the road record where they're 19, 19 and two, and they're going to finish off that, you know, road schedule today before four straight at home. Um, That's kind of what you're hoping for, for the Dallas stars is you come out and you beat Vegas at home and you just put an end to it. But uh, obviously nothing is guaranteed. So we'll see how it goes. 
Yeah, I mean, Dallas controls its fate, and I, I would pick Dallas to make it. But yeah. Vegas, Colorado, it would be spicy. So here is the thing about Vegas, Colorado. I don't think that they'll give the Avalanche the same issues they gave them last year, but it would also be a lot of fun, and it would be a longer series, and I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here, let's – here's the deal. There is a version of the Vegas Golden Knights – if you played out this season with this roster a bazillion times, there is a version of the Vegas Golden Knights that is really freaking good. Where 100%. And they've got chemistry built. Mm -hmm. And the thing with chemistry is you never really know when it's going to click in. Yep. And Jack Eichel has been really good for them. And he yep. has not been the problem on ice for why they've faltered. So I think it's, it's going to be fascinating to see if somehow if they get rolling, like, then all of a sudden you've got Eichel, who's an elite player, Stone, who's an elite player, Patrick Reddy, who's an elite player, two really good defensemen in Petrangelo and Theodore. And then who the heck knows what they're going to do in that. But there's a world in which that's a very tough series. And also who knows what like mental hurdles that'll pose. Yeah. Granted, they might have mental hurdles going against Arturi Lekkonen, so could bounce back. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, the thing with Jack Eichel is um, – He's been good, not great, and that's not me bashing him. That's obviously a guy that didn't play hockey for 13 or 14 months or whatever it was, and I think next year he was going to come out, and assuming Vegas figures out their situation and gets gets everything in order, he's a guy that's going to come out and put up 90 points if he plays a full 82 games. So he had a stretch of, what is it, seven games where he had six goals and two assists, um, but the biggest thing that kind of catches me off guard for Jack Eichel right now is the last three games against Edmonton, New Jersey, and Washington. They lost to Edmonton. They lost to New Jersey. They just barely beat Washington and got him in overtime. Didn't get a regulation win in the standings for the tiebreaker. He's got zero points. So yeah. you expect more out of Jack Eichel in those kinds of games. And I think he's going to be a strong player for them. But like you said, it's just that in this specific scenario of the Vegas Golden Knights, they've got all this talent, zero chemistry. Well, not zero, but not a lot of chemistry because a lot of these guys haven't played with each other much. They also lost a lot from their locker room when they traded Marc-Andre Fleury last year and kind of relied on Robin Leonard. And Leonard's had some injury issues, which came at a bad time because now you're relying on Laurent Brossois, who's also been injured at times. So and now the old well, Logan Thompson's playing. Guy. And he's actually pretty good. And um, or it looks like has kind of lost faith in Robin Leonard, which yeah. is quite yeah. I, I didn't I didn't like the way that he came out. And spoke against him in the play against or after that game against New Jersey. Uh, well, and did you see what he did last night? I didn't see last night. No. Leonard gave up a goal in the first period. They go to intermission, and he replaced him to start the second. Thompson finished the game. Ooh, wow. Yeah, I did not catch that. I did catch the end of the game, and I knew Thompson was in. I had no idea Leonard started. So, I mean, if you're as a human being, how how do you if you're Leonard like? I don't know, man. That's not yeah. like, I'm not like thrilled about that. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. So what, what we're seeing in this version of the Vegan gold Vegas golden Knights is a team that despite their talent, despite everything they have, despite the fact that this could or should be a team like last year, that's challenging the avalanche for the top seed in, in the Western conference or West division last year. Um, this is a team that's got a lot of drama surrounding them right now. Yeah. And I think, I mean, look next year, they're, probably going to be pretty good. Um, yeah. They're going to maybe lose Riley Smith. They're going to lose some guys. Mm -hmm. I would think if they don't make the playoffs, they're, they're going to replace going the coach. Yeah. There's going to be some hell to pay. That's not a team that 
the ownership doesn't seem like a group that's really interested in excuses. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but look, Vegas has kind of built itself on a house of cards and I don't think this is the house of cards starting to fall. I think it's a setback and they're going to be a playoff team next year and be pretty good, but geez, it's stressful times. If you're Pete DeBoer right now, I would say. 100%. And, uh, I think he's panicking and he knows that. And that's why his, his frustrations are kind of showing like in, 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 like in the media and in public, you can tell that Pete DeBoer right now is, is praying for his, you know, position with the team, because what's going to happen is first of all, if the Vegas golden Knights miss the playoffs that very next day, the Monday or the Saturday, whatever it is, I fully expect we're going to hear that Peter DeBoer has already been let go. But if they make the playoffs and they get crapped out in the first round by the avalanche, or if they somehow climb into third place or by the Oilers or something like that's not going to be something that Bill Foley is happy with either or Kelly McCrimmon hell. If they don't make the playoffs or if they get embarrassed in the first round, who's to say they don't snatch a job away from Kelly McCrimmon too. I mean, I know that kind of sounds crazy. He's a good GM, but also it's like, we've seen crazier things happen with this team. They, they fired Gerard Gallant for a bad four days like they've done crazier things with this franchise where bill foley has proven that he's got no patience like you said for excuses and 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 uh, hearing those either so there will be hell to pay but i do think that if the vegas golden knights make the playoffs number one if you're the avalanche as silly as this sounds like you should want to play them you should want to play vegas and you should want to be able to say we are way better and we have a second line center in Kadri. we have our goalie in darcy kemper we have our team that is much better than last year mccarr as good as he was last year is better taves as good as he was last year is better nathan mckinnon is on fire as good as he was last year we're hoping he doesn't go games two three and four without a goal they're a damn good team they got lekin in they got all these depth guys if you're the avalanche you want to play vegas and you want to say bring it and let's beat them and let's move on to the second round business as usual in my yes. opinion, that's the route you want to take. Yes. That said, it would be, I mean, think of that. The potential path would be if the favorites won out, the path to the Stanley Cup, if they play Vegas, would be Vegas, Minnesota, Calgary, which is kind of brutal. Yeah. But, I mean, it would be fun. I'd enjoy it. Vegas, Minnesota, Calgary, Vegas, St. Louis, Calgary, Vegas, uh, Edmonton, Vegas, St. Louis, Edmonton, like, Whichever route you go, it's going to be tougher teams. Uh, the only thing you can hope for is kind of an easy first round matchup because after that, there is no easy matchups. Like, yeah, I mean, let's let's call it what we said last year. I mean, let's say in in some crazy ass scenario, the LA Kings beat the Edmonton Oilers, and then they beat the Calgary Flames, and the Avalanche win their first two rounds, and now you got the LA Kings. Is that an easy matchup? Because as far as I'm concerned, not that the Avalanche have the same kind of issues that Vegas has had the last two years in the third round. But what did we say last year when, when Montreal swept Winnipeg, it was guaranteed that the winner of the avalanche Vegas series gets Montreal. So it's like win this series and you've got a trip to the Stanley cup finals, Vegas won the series and they couldn't even get Montreal to seven games. And then abs abs legend, Arturi Lekkinen, uh, yep. had, had his way on one Sport on. Yeah. I think that was that line's like first goal of the entire series, but there, that was, he was on their shutdown line. That was what their line, that line. obviously. Yeah, exactly. So like it's, there is no easy route to the Stanley cup finals. And that that's the reality. Even Tampa Bay, as much as like we laugh about the fact that 
they played good teams and then ended up playing, oh, I don't know, Dallas coached by Rick Bonus and then the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup Finals. I still don't think that those guys went into that series thinking we got this under, you know, under wraps. Like we've automatically won this. You can't have that mentality. And if you're the Avalanche, knowing how many wins and points you have, I don't want to say you're the best team in the NHL right now because the Panthers can pass them with a win in their next game. Um, and I think Florida's won 10 or 11 straight now. Um, if you're the Avalanche, you're a good team for a reason. You should be able to go up against any opponent and say, they don't scare me. We can beat them. And uh, that starts with the Vegas Golden Knights. So in my opinion, as silly as this sounds, like you want that series to be able to look and say, we can beat this team. Last year wasn't right. We're the better team. We're different. And we're going to squeeze through these guys, go to the second round and really take it from there. It would be an exorcism of sorts. Yeah. And then they the, could maybe get Minnesota in the next round who they lost to in 14 and who has Flurry who beat them. Oh, Washington. geez. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, I mean, like, hey, Washington had to eventually go through Pittsburgh. Yeah. If Toronto ever wants to do anything, you know they're going to have to beat Boston along the way sometime. So, like. Yeah. And but, Colorado, I don't think necessarily has a team like that. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah, exactly. But um, I think I think the biggest thing is, like, as 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 I mean, I'm I I don't play for the Avalanche, but like as silly as it is for me to say, let's play Vegas in the first round and let's beat Vegas in the first round. If Vegas ends up taking you six or seven games in a rough and tumble series, you're kind of sitting back with ice packs, going, man, if only we had Dallas or someone that could have been a little bit easier. But yeah. no guarantees either way. But I don't know. I think it's going to be fun either way. And then just for the hell of it, let's throw the last team into the mix. The Vancouver Canucks. I don't think we have to spend that much time on them. Yeah. The one reason why I want to mention the Vancouver Canucks is this. The Avalanche have played the Vancouver Canucks in the playoffs twice in their history. In the first round in 1996 and in the first round in 2001. And they <laughs> swept them and they swept them both times. So if you get the Vancouver Canucks in the playoffs this year and you sweep your way through that team, uh, it's Maybe a little deja vu. Exactly. Yeah. And then maybe so, you'll get the Detroit Red Wings in the second round. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you get the Red Wings in the second round and uh, Patrick Wall's ready to rock and roll. You never know. <laughs> so uh, that's the only reason why I want to mention Vancouver. It's just that weird, funny stat that's worked out for them. So, um, yeah, the Avalanche versus the Canucks likely isn't going to happen. But if it does, it's always fun to look back at the only other two times they've played. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Sweet. All right. Well, Peter, closing thoughts. Where were you when we got a text message at five in the morning that the Avalanche and Columbus Blue Jackets are going to Finland next year? <laughs> I was asleep and then I woke up and I saw Same. and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk more about that on the weekend pod where we like to break down things a little bit more in depth. But uh, yeah, the Avalanche and the Columbus Blue Jackets for the third year in a row are going to try to play this thing in Finland. Uh, they were supposed to do it in 2020 or 2021. Obviously got canceled because of COVID. They tried again this past November. Obviously didn't end up working out. They ended up playing two games in a row against each other with like five days off in between for no reason. Two Columbus wins. Two that Columbus was, wins. Yeah. Peak panic season. That was right, right. That was what led to the Avalanche starting four, five, and one. Those were games nine and ten of the regular season, I believe. So since then, they've been a pretty damn good team, except for the last two disaster in Denver. They lost to the Seattle. I'm just kidding, but uh, 
Uh, yeah, so the Avalanche and the Columbus Blue Jackets are going back to Finland. But first, playoffs a week from Monday. The Avalanche will probably start Tuesday because for whatever reason, they never start on the first day. Um, but it'll be fun. So it's probably going to be the Dallas Stars. It might be the Vegas Golden Knights. also might be the Nashville Predators. And if the Stars align, it might be the LA Kings. And uh, by some crazy-ass miracle, it might be the Vancouver Canucks. Any closing thoughts, Peter? Think I, I think I'm good. Check out uh, the Minnesota Wild posted a video of Tyson Joe's mic'd up in the Avs game, and it's very funny. Ooh, I got to go check that uh, out. Yeah, him trash talk. Eric Johnson cross when he took the cross check at the end of the, the game. Eric Johnson, you can hear Johnson go, Josty, you fell. And he's like, no way. You're a dirty player. It's very funny. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, um, that's great. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's all I've got. Sweet. All right. Well, on my end, I'm going to try to close this thing out the way JJ's done it for years. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your, bless, ooh, man, already struggling. Bless your pretty little heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. And we out ya.